morning, everyone. All right. You all doing okay? Sure? <laughs> yes, Dick. All good. Um, we were just laughing about the fact I feel like I'm in some kind of Oscars quick change scenario where I've had to change quickly out of my gym wear. Um, but can I say, what a privilege to baptise your child. Like, oh, I could do that all day long. Maybe we should have more children, Chris. <laughs> You can see he's on the fence. Um, Okay, so just before I get started this morning, Chris may need prayer after the service. Um, Just before I get started, I just want to remind you about something that is coming up. So if I can have the first slide up, that'd be great. Um, Monday, February the 28th, we have the guy with perhaps the coolest name ever, Putty Putman. It is his actual name, and he is coming over from the States with a team of people um, to come and pray with us, teach us about leadership stuff, teach us more about God. It's going to be a great evening, and you're all invited. So um, please do get it in your diary to come along for that. And then I'm going to whiz... I've got it on green. I'm so bad with a clicker. I feel like I need clicker training. Kathy, do you mind just moving my slides on for me? Is that all right? (laughs) Thanks. Not that one. We'll go to the next one. Brilliant. Thank you. So today we are talking all about family. We are in a little mini-series at the moment, talking about family and a culture of family and what that looks like. And um, the reason why we talk about this church as family and not as an institution or a congregation or a corporation or a membership is because we honestly believe that family is the culture of heaven. We see that when Paul writes to the church in the Bible, he calls them brothers and sisters. He doesn't call them members or leaders. He calls them brothers and sisters. And we genuinely believe that when Jesus taught us how to pray in the Bible and he says, our father, isn't it amazing that he doesn't say my father? He says, our father. It's an invitation into family. And we believe that is the best culture that we can have here as church is to live as a family. We're not really interested in numbers or data. We want people to be treated like sons and daughters. I never want people to be treated as numbers or just members or givers or participants. The people who come and play a part here in this family are sons and daughters, and they deserve to be treated as such. And that is why we want to spend this next couple of weeks looking at the culture of family. Family honours people, it includes people, and it celebrates people. And that's just what God's kingdom is like. It's just what his kingdom is like. That's God's way of doing things. When we talk about the kingdom of God, we mean God's way of doing things, his rule, his reign. And his way of doing things is including and loving and honouring and celebrating. And that's what we want to see here as this family. And in the Bible, in Ephesians, it says this. Ephesians 1 verse 5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. God doesn't invite us into being his family because he has to or out of some horrible duty because, well, I'm God, I made them, I should invite them in. It gives him great pleasure when he invites us to be part of his family. And families come in 
all shapes and sizes. Um, I'm aware that um, as we were preparing this today, I have some of my family here today who are here to celebrate with Mads. Our families are very diverse. They come in all shapes and sizes. For some people, families are amazing. For other people, families are painful. For some, they're really present. For others, they're absent. But do you know what? I think sometimes the word family can be used in society in a way that's unhelpful for people. Sometimes if we see the word family, there's automatically a group of people that exclude themselves from that. So if there's an event and it says for families, people that don't have children or older people or single people suddenly feel a bit like, oh, that can't be for me. But it's just not true. Society's made that what family's about, but actually that's not what family's about. When God designed us, he designed us to be in community that was for everybody, whether you're single, whether you're older, whether you're younger, whether you have children or don't have children. That is the kind of family we want to see here at Asher Vineyard. And I wrote this because I really believe it to be true, which is when God is the head of a family, when he's father, everything changes. Everyone belongs, everybody has a place, everyone's chosen, everyone is loved just as they are, and everyone has something to offer. And that's a little bit about what what I want to speak about this morning. Now, it will never be perfect because it's humans, right? So I don't know if any of you have a perfect family. Silence across the room. (laughs) What I love is the ones sitting with their family and they're like, oh, difficult to say. Um, No family is ever going to be perfect. No church family is ever going to be perfect. And actually, there's a a joke I heard someone say that if you find the perfect church, you shouldn't go there because you'll only ruin it. And uh, and you know what? There is just no such thing because we're humans. But what we know here is that, yes, we want to be a family, but we're okay with the mess. We're okay with the mess that family brings, with people's mistakes, with people's failings, with people's disagreements. We don't all have to agree just because we're in the same family, but we are all his kids and we're all invited to play our part. And that's what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about a characteristic of family is that it moves towards people. We move towards other people. We feel compelled to move towards others. So we're going to dip into the Bible in Acts 2. If you've got, there are paper copies available. You may have one. Um, If not, there's a digital one that will come up here. But this part of the Bible in Acts talks about the early church when it first started. And this is what it says of it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Thank you. Did I not have it turned on? Oh, special. (laughs) Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, I find it really interesting when you look at the early church that this is all about this feeling of we're all in this together. We're in this together. There was a sense of everyone, every day, doing everything as part of family and together. 
And I know COVID made this really hard in the last two years because everyone was separated. But actually, I think what also happened is there became a comfort with people being isolated and separated. And it's just not God's design. It was necessary, but it's not actually part of who we were designed to be and how we were designed to live. Look at what they were doing. They were eating together. They were sharing possessions. They were worshipping together. They were growing in number. And I love the message translation, which says, people in general liked what they saw, and every day their number grew. Are we a family here where people come in and invited and they like what they see and they say, I want to be a part of that family? That's what I long for. I don't want to be part of a family that's exclusive and doesn't welcome and excludes people and says, well, I'm not really your type, thanks. That's not who I want to be. I want us to be a family of people that welcomes and invites people into knowing who God is as Father. Now, in many ways, it's completely countercultural to what our society is telling us at the moment. And some of you may remember at the end of 2020, I did a talk talking about connection. And I mentioned that there is this hyper-individualism that is going on in the world today. It basically says, it's all about you. What feels good for you? What do you want? You're the most important person in your life. You do you. Basically, this culture that says, whatever you want, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else, is all good. I mean, even Elsa in Frozen, you know, no rules, no wrongs for me, I'm free. You know, we're basically telling a generation of children, you just do whatever feels good for you. And I just don't think that is how God designed us to live. And in fact, in Korea, there's a culture called Honjok, and I talked about this. The Honjok culture is designed for loners. There are loner restaurants, loner gyms, loner housing, where people can live completely alone where no one bothers them. And I genuinely believe that alone time is good sometimes. As a raging extrovert, not very often... I can see Chris on the front row like, I like the sound of Honjok. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. Eating a meal and no one interrupts me. Yes, solitude can replenish you. Solitude can definitely replenish you. But isolation, in my opinion, diminishes you. And I think there's a difference. Solitude replenishes, isolation just diminishes you. And it leaves people feeling alone, and it makes people sick, and it makes people depressed, and it is not in line with our God-given design to live as family. And I believe, as the church, that we are called to model what moving towards other people looks like. I think we've been given a job to do, which is, let's go and keep telling another story. When people are turning the other way and going into their own space just to do life by themselves, I honestly think we as a church are called to go and drag people into a place to come say, come see what's happening over here. Did you know you're invited? You belong, as Kirsten sung this morning, you belong. This is somewhere that you belong. And I was preparing for this um, during the week, and I felt God lead me to this passage in 1 Corinthians 12, um, which is all about the body. And it says this, Just as the human body is one, though it has many parts that together form one body, so too is Christ. For by one spirit we were all immersed and mingled into one body, and no matter our status, whether we're Jews or non-Jews, oppressed or free, and I would add a whole load of other categories in there, We are all privileged to drink deeply from the same Holy Spirit. 
In fact, the human body is not one single part, but rather many parts mingled into one. So if the foot were to say, since I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, it's forgetting that it's still a vital part of the body. And if the ear were to say, well, since I'm not an eye, I'm not really part of the body, it's forgetting that it's still an important part of the body. Think of it this way. If the whole body were just an eyeball, how could it hear sounds? And if the whole body were just an ear, how could it smell different fragrances? But God has carefully designed each member and placed it in the body to function as he desires. A diversity is required, for if the body consisted of one single part, there wouldn't be a body at all. So now we see there are many differing parts and functions, but one body. Now, there's loads in there, but I think what struck me were two really key things, which is every part has significance and every part has a function, and both are true. It's not just about knowing you belong. It's about knowing you have something to offer as well. This isn't Being in a family isn't passive. I know that I'm my mum's daughter, not because we're just genetically related and because that's my position of significance. I know I'm her daughter because of how she loves me and how she pours her life into me and how she makes sacrifices to me. And actually, because of that, I have a function in the family. I have a role to play. It's both. It's significance and it's function, and they both matter. And if you ever needed any evidence that the body needs all the parts, everybody has a part to play, I don't know if you've experienced where a small part of your body isn't quite working right and everything else seems to go to pieces. I mean, I used to work as um, uh, I trained as a speech therapist and I had a time at the National Hospital for Neurology and I worked in their acute brain injury unit. And if ever you needed evidence that one tiny part of the body could go wrong and it could affect everything, it was in that unit. I met one guy who had a brain injury, and as a result of it, he lost all the nouns out of his vocabulary, basically all the naming words. So he could speak in sentences but had no nouns, no naming words. That part of the brain that did that is so teeny, teeny, tiny, and yet the impact on his life was colossal. And I honestly think there's a message for us as the church when we disqualify ourselves and say, well, I'm just a tiny part of the family. I'm really insignificant. What if you knew that when you didn't stand up into your place and play your part and know you belong, the body just doesn't work as well? And you might stand today or sit today or be at home and looking, thinking, yeah, but Nick, you know, I'm nothing like you. I, I, you know, I couldn't stand on a platform with a microphone. Thank God you're nothing like me. Like, seriously, if the world were full of me's, it would be horrendous. Like, honestly, we all need our differences, our different ways of living, our different ways of thinking, the different skills that we bring to the table. It needs all of us. So if you're someone that just disqualifies yourself and says, well, I'm only a toe, you know, be a great toe. That's what I said. There's a soundbite. <laughs> there's, a, there's a tweet. Be a great toe. That's all you've taken away from today. But know that you have significance and stop disqualifying yourself. Because honestly, it's the case that I believe God has given us dreams as a family here as Ashford Vineyard. And I believe those dreams just cannot 
fully come to pass unless the whole body takes their place, sees their significance and plays their part. We need all kinds of people to bring transformation to Ashford and you're all invited. I'm interested when I see in Corinthians in the Bible where it talks about spiritual gifts being handed out different things to different people. And what I'm interested in about that is if you look at just this part of our church family that gathers on a Sunday, what happens if the people that have been given the gifts for a particular thing don't think they're significant and don't think they have anything to offer? Well, we all miss out. We miss out on you. Because you might be holding the breakthrough that I need when I walk through the doors. And you know what? We have people every week that come through these doors desperate for breakthrough. And I think you hold it with God. I think you're the answer with him. But in order for that to happen, we need to realize we have significance and we have a function. And I honestly think we are in a bit of a tipping point in our culture where we are being offered this lie that life is better when we make it all about us. And I think we have a moment in history off the back of everything that's happened where people have been isolated. We have a moment in history as the church to rise up and tell another story. And it starts when we live as family and people like what they see and they say, wow, what about those guys? I love the way they do inclusion. I love the way they do connection. I love the way they do compassion. I love the way they feed people and clothe people and listen to people and don't judge people, as Chris was talking about last week. But the thing is that we've said this a hundred times from this platform. Anything that is worth something costs something. Anything. And you know what? If we are going to move towards each other and others, it is going to cost us our time, our energy, our money, our comfort, our lying. It's going to cost us all kinds of things, but I think it is so worth it. I think it is so, so worth it. And I guess my question is, are we willing to lay down some of our comfort and convenience some of the routines and the rhythms we've got into in the last couple of years where actually we all quite like having our own space and our own time? Are we willing to lay some of that down to be invited into connecting with people as family? I've been reading um, a book at the moment. It's like one of these, I can only read it in little bits at a time. Um, And it's called The Body Keeps Score and it's all about people who've experienced trauma and uh, understanding what happens in people's brains when they've experienced trauma and then some of the treatments. And um, I was talking to someone just yesterday about a study uh, back in the 80s, and please don't write to me about the animal cruelty. I didn't do the study, or I don't even necessarily agree with the study, but I'm interested by what it found. And the study was that they had dogs in locked cages, and they gave them electric shocks. And then what they did was they got a group of dogs who hadn't been given any shock. So these first dogs couldn't escape. It was called inescapable shock. And then what they did is they had another group of dogs. And then the second time round, they put all the dogs in cages with the doors that were open. And they shocked the dogs. And what was fascinating 
was that the dogs who'd experienced trauma didn't leave the cage. They stayed still and they took the shocks. But all the dogs that hadn't experienced trauma ran out the cage. As soon as the shock happened, they ran out. And what they learn is this kind of flight or... um, What's it called? Fight. Um, What's that thing? (laughs) Clearly, I didn't write the book. Um, But where the brain effectively freezes, where a brain in trauma, someone who's gone through something which is hugely traumatic, that actually, even though the door was open, they'd been taught, I can't escape this, I have to stay here and take it. And do you know what they found they had to do to these dogs to retrain them? They had to get the researchers to drag them out the cage. When the shock happened, they got them to pull them out. And once they'd been pulled out two or three times, they realized, I can do this for myself. And I honestly believe that is a model of what God asks us to do as family. There are some people that come through these doors, that come to the beehive, that come to Headstrong, that come and get school uniform from upstairs, that come into anywhere where we are, And they are stuck in a cage and being told a story of you've got nowhere to go, you can't get out, you have to just stay and take it. And I think we are being asked to move towards people and pull them into a different reality and pull them into a place of freedom and say, have you met my God? Have you met him? He says, you don't have to stay there. And I know you're afraid. And I know you can't move on your own. That's the point. These dogs were totally physically capable of moving, but they couldn't move on their own. And they needed someone to pull them out. And I honestly believe it's a model of what we're being asked to do in this next season, is move towards people enough that we can say, come with me. It's okay that you're afraid, but I'm going to take you with me and it's going to be so much more than what you're stood in at the moment. And I want, to, I want to finish by telling you a couple of stories that happened just this last weekend that I think represent this brilliantly from within this family. And the first is um, James, who's just stood behind this camera here, um, got in touch with the church before Christmas and said that he had met, um, he'd been working uh, with a family where the mum of this family was very unwell and had been unwell for a very long time. Um, she had had a uh, stroke 10 years ago and then an aneurysm on her brain six years ago. And she um, was in terrible pain. And in her words, she'd said to James, medical science has taken me as far as it can go. And they've said there's nothing more they can do. You've talked about your church and I'm up for meeting with one of the healers, was what she said. (laughs) Um, So James sent this email and said, is there anyone that can meet with her? Uh, And so we were doing a little bit of a back and forth, but on Sunday, uh, Herbie and I came back down to the warehouse in the afternoon, and James bought, oh, beautiful Shelley. She came through the door, and she walked in on a stick, and I'm not going to tell you the whole story, because we've actually filmed her telling her own story, and we'll show that to you at some point. But she came in and she said, I'm really cynical, but I'm really open. I was like, that's a great combination. (laughs) Um, Because we don't want you to make us feel good by telling us something that's not true. So your cynicism is actually really good because it means you'll tell us the truth rather than try and make us feel good. But your openness allows you to move into a place where you can meet with God. That's a great combo. So we sat over in the snug and uh, long story short, we prayed for her. And within two minutes, the pain that she has had in her head, which she describes on a good day as being nine out of ten, left her body for the first time in six years. 
I, I don't have a reference point for that. All I know is that James has been praying for her for five years. James drove to Gravesend to pick her up and to bring her here and to sit with her. And so people would be like, oh, but it was you guys that prayed. No, James. James was the one that moved towards her. And he refused to move the other way. And he literally physically moved towards her by driving like a nearly two-hour round trip to bring her into a place where she could meet with God. And we'll show you the video. um, But actually, it wasn't just her head. I've texted her every day this week. And she keeps texting me back like, it's still gone. And I'm like... (laughs) That's still good. Um, And basically, she said, she's due to have a brain scan in March. And she's like, I'm so excited to see the brain scan. But you know what? Her faith, she even said, I don't have a faith. But what happened was, she moved towards James and said, I need help. So it started with her too. Sometimes we're so, we're so full of pride. Like we just want to do it all ourselves and we're not good at asking for help. But it started with her moving towards James and then James moved towards her and he said, let me pull you out and show you there's a different story for you. And the other story happened last Sunday as well. And that was, um, we had a couple that were here. I think it was their first time um, and they're here today. So... I have had permission to share your story from you, I hear. Um, I hear. If, if you haven't, I'll check with the person who told me it was okay to share it. Um, <laughs> but basically, this wonderful couple, Jose and Dursa, Dursa um, came over from Cuba to work at our hospital um, about a year ago. And then um, Jose came and joined her in January. Now, Stephen, who's the hospital chaplain, um, has been doing amazing things at the hospital to build a family. This is what he does all day long. He prays for people and builds family. And so he had met Dursa and Jose and said, come along, come along to church with me. But Jose only really speaks mostly Spanish with a tiny bit of English. And that's been quite isolating. To come into a country where you can't really speak the language can be isolating. So he showed up here. And then what happened was we had a newcomer's lunch. And the Davies were hosting the newcomer's lunch that day. Well, would you believe that the person in the church who speaks Spanish is John Davies, who happened to be hosting the lunch that day. Now, the reason I'm telling you this story is because John and Emily had been in this building. If you don't know them, they oversee Sundays. They had been in this building for hours. They get here early. They do all the things that nobody really notices, and they do it absolutely like you never hear them moaning or complaining they show up early they bring their kids their kids are in for the ride as well they get here when it's cold when there's no chairs out when there's no flags they do all the stuff and then they made the decision to give up their lunch time to invite people they've never met before into their home to feed them And what happened during that lunchtime was beautiful. And actually, they told us the story that Jose and Dursa took photos to send to their family and say, we found some family here in the UK. Isn't that beautiful? And that's because Stephen in the hospital moved towards Dursa. And then 
He, they moved towards us and they made the decision. They didn't have to come and then they came. And then John and Emily moved towards them. And then what happened was Paul and Rosie were also at the lunch, who's Emily's parents, and they lead a circle. So then they said, come to our circle. Come be a part of our family over here. And so they went to the circle where there's another person that speaks Spanish. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Can I just be clear for anyone at home or in the room? We are not a Spanish-speaking congregation. <laughs> this is not who we are demographically. And yet... Who knows? Maybe we'll have our first Spanish-speaking service on the horizon. Who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe. So that's all to say, we're invited. And you know what? You might say, well, I don't have anything to bring. Well, on that day, John and Emily put jacket potatoes in an oven, and they said, come in our home. I would say 99% of us could put jacket potatoes in an oven. Even if you don't have an oven, we have one upstairs you can use, and you can put them in there and invite people into that space. We have to stop elevating people as the special ones, the significant ones, the chosen ones. Oh, they're the hands. They're really important. Oh, they're the, you know, they're the major organs. They're the ones that will bring the kingdom. No, they won't. Actually, they will, but they'll always be limited by the rest of the body too, because everybody has a part to play. And you're all invited to play it. So let's stand and we'll pray together. Just before we pray, as if you're here today and you're like, okay, I might, I might feel like I'm just a toe, but I want to play. Please speak to someone as part of this family. We'd love to invite you into opportunities to move towards other people. There are hundreds. We are never short of ways to help you connect with people here. But aside from the programmed stuff, your day-to-day life is an opportunity for you to move towards people. We have a friend who is um, very unwell with long COVID. And every single day, Chris's alarm goes off on his phone at 11 o'clock for him to pray for him. Every day for nearly two years at 11 o'clock, his alarm goes off. And actually, we were with him last week for the first time we've been able to see him, and it went off while we were sat next to him. And he got really tearful, this guy, because he's like, oh, someone's mindful of me every day. We get to do those things take people for coffee, buy them flowers, make them a cake, set an alarm to pray for them. Father, we thank you so much that you designed us to live as family and not in isolation. We thank you that you are inviting us to tell a different story in a society that says, me, 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 that we get to say, you belong, you have significance, and you have something to offer to others. Father, we ask that you would inspire us to move towards people, even when it costs us time and energy and money and comfort and convenience. Help us to be a family that is hallmarked by being inconvenienced to love people well, so that we might see the stories of breakthrough, like Shelley and Jose and Dursa, that they would be things that happen every day because we're a family that moves towards others. And where we lack confidence and where we lack an understanding of our significance, help us to see exactly what Connor said this morning, that we are loved and there's nothing we can do to stop you loving us and you are inviting us to play. Thank you, Father.
Amen. Amen. Do grab a seat. Um, I will recommend this to you, actually. If you're today here and you're thinking, I don't know, like, ideas of how to move towards people. I got this book for Christmas a year ago, and it's taken me all this time to read it. This whole book is nothing to do with church or Christianity, but it's people all over the world who've made a decision to move towards people in their community. And it is full of stories from people of all religions and backgrounds that way. All religions and backgrounds. So good, isn't he? He's like the detail guy in the marriage. He's like, they can't read it upside down. Um, so it's called Generation Share. I'm going to leave it on the front. But if you are someone that finds it hard to think of ideas of how to take action and move towards people, come and have a look. Buy the book for yourself. It's really inspired me, and I think it could really inspire some of you guys as well. Um, So I'd really encourage you to do that. Um, But as we say here at Asher Vineyard, that's the best ending you're going to get. And we would ask you to go up and get your kids from upstairs promptly and uh, to bring them back down. We've got teas and coffees so you don't have to hurry away. Um, If you would like to come to the newcomers lunch, I mean, clearly they're the place to be. They're every week, but today Becca and Michelle are hosting and they will be hovering around the snug. So if you're new here or actually you're not new, but you've struggled to connect with family, then it doesn't matter if you've been here for seven years. If you want to connect with family, just come. Come to that lunch today and meet some people and do life with them. Um, But we hope you have an amazing, amazing week and we look forward to seeing you here at Something Again soon. Thanks for listening to our podcast today and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.